This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. Dare I say this third preseason game is going to mean a lot for me. I'll be doing the post-game show with Matt Williamson. We were excellent at it. Please listen. And we'll be talking about the starters probably playing a half of football. Is that half football going to be good? Is it going to make me feel better about the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, that's to be seen. But I got to see something. And I know coming in to the preseason, coming in... To training camp. I said nothing that happens can convince me this is a good defense until they do it on Sundays when it matters. Well, I'm amending that. I'm making this Saturday matter. I'm making the 4 o'clock kick against the Tennessee Titans matter in my mind. They're all going to be there. They're all going to be playing. I need them to play well. I want to see Dupuis. Pascal. I want to see Dupree. I want to see TJ Watt. I want to see Tuitt. Hayward, I want to see them all in there. Sean Davis playing free safety, and I want to see them put MFers on the ground. Because right now, I don't have any faith that this Steelers defense is going to be better than what we saw last year. And I don't want it to be hyperbole. I don't want to sit here and say they're going to be awful because they were awful last year, but they were awful the last time we saw them, and I need to know that they have at least the pieces in place that can instill some confidence. Some confidence. Because right now i got none. I don't believe in this defense at all. They've got the talent, but talent ain't the issue. The issue is scheming it up and getting these players to execute. In 2014, the Steelers drafted Shazier and Tuitt in rounds one and two. They're both very good players. We all know what happened to Shazier last year. But the three years that they had him, he was a pretty darn good player before that. Bud Dupree, 2015, first round pick. 2016, Burns, Davis, Hargrave, first, second, third round. 2017, Watt in round one. Sutton in round three. Mike Hilton was one of the better slot corners in the league last year. And Joe Hayden, who they also added, is solid. They've got the talent. Now it falls on Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin was brought in because he's a defensive-minded coach. He's a motivator of men, sure. He's a player's coach, yes. But he's brought in as well because he knows defense. The defense hasn't been getting better. They gave up 38 defensive points to the Jags last year. They gave up 36 against the Pats in 2016 in the playoffs, in the AFC Championship game. The last two playoff games that they played, they've given up an average of 37 points a game defensively. In 2015, defense was good all day against Denver until that 13-play, 65-yard drive that took over six and a half minutes off the clock. And Peyton Manning, whose arm is weaker than mine, converted a third and 12 because of the miscommunication on the back end. In 2014, they go up 30 points at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Dick LeBeau ain't here anymore. And yeah, while Keith Butler is and deserves some of this heat too, unquestionably, 
Mike Tomlin was brought in and trusted as a defensive-minded guy. The heat's got to be on him. People give this team heat because Tomlin hasn't won recent Super Bowls. Because with Brown and Bell and Roethlisberger, they haven't gotten the job done. And this is part of it. Now, injuries have a lot to do with it on the offensive side. Those players not living up to expectation. But defensively, they haven't gotten better. Not even close. The Shazier injury hurt them last year. They gave up 11 more points a game without him. It's important. I can't ignore that. They were a much better defense last year than they had been previously. Now, I realize I just said they getting worse. Well, they had time to acclimate to the Shazier injury, and they did. By acclimation, I mean they gave up 38 points to the Jacksonville Jags and 38 points to the Baltimore Ravens, and they couldn't stop a nosebleed at the end of the Patriots game, giving up 11 points in that quarter and over 100 yards. The Packers had their backup quarterback in there, and he carved the Steelers up. The Steelers' defense played terribly down the stretch, and yeah, no Shazier, but Mike Tomlin always says the standard is the standard. If the standard is the standard, then it can't be the standard for some guys and not for others. They were giving him a ton of big plays before that. The Lions game. Bunch of big plays. The Bears game. Bunch of big plays. Early in the season. Defense has to get better. And for me, with a full unit, it starts on Saturday. And you know what? Maybe I should give him the benefit of the doubt for the first couple preseason games. We can play it that way, too. I'll believe in them if they play better on Saturday. I don't totally believe in them. I'll believe in them more than I do now if they play better Saturday. Let me at least give them the opportunity to put their best 11 out there. Let me at least give them an opportunity to game plan. Let me at least give them an opportunity to scheme some things up. But if they look as bad as they have with all those guys in there, it might be a little bit of panic time. And I don't think that's hyperbole. It's been a wanky segment. Uh, There was a long pause in there. There have been a couple since then. Uh, I've been giggling to myself and somewhat audibly. It's because I farted very loudly to the point where Brian heard it and Tom on the other side of the glass heard it. And usually this room sucks that stuff up. You've got carpeted walls. You've got carpeted ceiling. they got all kind of pads everywhere. It's soundproof as much as it can because all the sound needs to be going in the microphone. You don't want echo. You don't want all kind of nonsense. Some nonsense emanated from my backside, and I don't know if it was on the air. Tom, did it go over the air? And put MFers on the ground. Oh, my God. Uh, To answer your question, yeah, it did go over the air. (laughs) That's a hard yes. That's a hard yes. Oh, no. And put MFers on the ground. (laughs) That had depth, that had bass, that had layers. That was a good one. Did you even... Blow that up? Nope. No need to amplify it at all. I can hear if he blows it up. Like, like play it again. Like and I can... put MFers on the ground. No, he didn't. At all. The ambient noise stays the same through the whole thing. You would have had to pull it up. Wow. One more time. And put MFers on the ground. 
What goes through your head during that? You're like, I got one. I'm just going to wait for the second I stop talking that I'm going to lay it out. Or is, that, right, acci- right, you is that accidentally flat? You want to know? Okay, here's the way it goes, boys. If I'm talking and I'm pushing one out, all right? <laughs> yeah. It sounds something like this. I'll read Mark Caboli's recent tweet about shirtless Tom. And you tell me when I farted, okay? He has 100 followers. Did he go from 100 to 100 during the Twitter purge or something? Oh, That's what happens if I'm ripping one. If I keep talking, I thought that if there was a dead period, if I was going to catch my breath anyhow and then rip ass, I thought that you wouldn't be able to hear because of the soundproof room, and I thought that it wouldn't come across in my voice. Unfortunately, here's what it sounded like. And put MFers on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) You've been laughing the entire segment. I I haven't been able to stop. Does this happen on any other radio show? I have tears in my eyes. No, it doesn't. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, somebody would be, if Stan tried to do that, he would throw whoever it was out of the studio. Like, if Greg Kunz, during a, sub, during a segment, dropped one of those, he would no longer be there. If Stan tried to do that during a segment, he'd poop. <laughs> he'd be taken care of, though. He's all right. Yeah. Stan doesn't care. No, not at all. <laughs> but that's, oh my God. Like, it's, that's, that's almost borderline hostile work environment. It, like, let me put it this way. If you're working with anyone different than me and Tom... Like, HR's getting a complaint today. I thought I could sneak it out. <laughs> you did not sneak it out. I snuck it out. I mean, you and snuck it. And put MFers on the ground. <laughs> you snuck it out, all right, but once it was out, this is a big, loud thing. Like, yeah, might have got out of the gate silent, but once it hit the air, thing erupted. People say we're immature, and you know what? Yes, but you know what? In addition to that, what? We're real. Yeah. Whenever I fart at my house, I don't say, pardon me, wife, I'm going to walk into the bathroom and pass gas. <laughs> People don't do that. That's not the way it goes. Like, put it this, if you're sitting there watching a game, you and your buddies are hanging out watching I'm a game. I'm ripping one. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be polite. I, I rip them at the bar. In fact, I was at the LSU-West Virginia game in 2011. And I had the entire student section on my back. I was in one of the first five rows. There's 12,000 people behind me. And I ripped one so bad that like a dozen people around me left. I mean, they were getting smoked, but they left because it was so nasty. That's what I do in real life. I'm not going to change for the radio. In fact, if I cough, a lot of times I just leave the microphone on. I'm real. If I burp, I leave the microphone on. But you you expect me to change my behavior because I've got a microphone in my face? No, the reason people listen to this show and the ratings are up 700% is because I give them what they are. I think the people who listen to this show relate to me. I picture every one of those people, me, but a hotter woman version of me. Everyone who's listening to the program is me with long hair and nice long legs. And female. <laughs> Well, you know, it's 2018. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just clarifying or helping you out. This is what you get from the Crowley Show. And put MFers on the ground. <laughs> and you get hot takes like this, too. Because we ain't just about the funny. We ain't just about the nonsense. We're about the fun. Wait. We're also about the hot takes. Why does it make me laugh? I'm 12. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I just keep laughing. Well, all right. So full disclosure, transparency, as I tend to say, is the number one virtue of the Crowley show. I don't know how to transition from that topic into this topic. Where are we going? Well, Mark Caballi is going to be joining us in seven minutes. Okay. 
There you go. That's that's a, that's something to jump off of. Mark Caboli, he covers the Steelers, right? Which are our football team here in Pittsburgh that you want to discuss. Yeah, Ryan Shazier walked out of the tunnel at Family Fest yesterday, and it was awesome, and it was inspiring. For him to work his ass off to get where he is right now is amazing, and I can't imagine how difficult that journey's been for him. He's set a great example. He's giving hope to many people in similar positions. But I think it's important to realize what put him in that position. I think that all of our criticism of the NFL and its players need to be framed in the context of this is truly one of the most dangerous jobs that we have in the modernized world. Now, these guys aren't child soldiers, but they go out there every single Sunday, every single Thursday, every single Saturday, sometimes at the end of the year, sometimes on Monday and Sunday nights, and I mean, they put their body on the line. And while Shazier might be an inspiration, I think he needs to kind of be a beacon to football fans that signifies this is the worst-case scenario. This is the decision that these players have made. And some of them didn't have that choice. Some of them, to get out of where they were, where they started, they had to play football. Antonio Brown, to get out from where he was, living in a car at times in Miramar County, to here, he had to play football. If he didn't do football, what was going to get him out? And anytime these players want more money, demand more, you got to realize that on any given weekend, what happened to Ryan Shazier can happen to them. You gotta realize that what happened to Mike Webster can happen to them. You've got to realize that Joe Theismann, not even the brain stuff, that kind of stuff happens all the time. ACLs are torn, biceps are hurt, players are living in pain for the rest of their lives after they're done playing football. And Ryan Shazier could be a reminder of that. A reminder that these guys are human beings, and we as a society should have empathy. Here's me farting from earlier. And put MFers on the ground. When when you do the serious stuff, sometimes you gotta break it up with a little fart action. New rule for the Crowley show. Transparency. Yeah. Flatulence, the number one virtue of the Crowley show. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not pissed yet. I was trying to get you to play the fart again. And put MFers on the ground. Now I'm pissed. This weekend, my wife, my dog, and I went up to Moraine State Park for a picnic. A woman covered in tattoos with a yinzer accent that would put Myron Cope to shame bitched about my dog having pooped too close to their setup. Dogs are allowed to poop in the park. You know what's forbidden? Cigarettes. She probably whooped down 115 minutes we were there in her general area. I cleaned up the feces and the smell subsided. We had to leave, though, because instead of smelling like lake and flowers, Moraine smelled like the 1975 Pittsburgh Steelers. That lady probably left the lake and came right to where I get pissed off, and that's buying lottery tickets at the get-go. I go in to grab a coffee. And nothing hard. That's it. I just grab in, and I should be able to walk out and pay. But no, I got to hang behind your smelly backside watching you pick every number in the number range from one to a million. How about this? Let's make it easier. A clerk asks you which numbers you like. Just say all of them. Then you can move to the side. She can take care of you, and I can buy my damn coffee. And by the way, you don't need cigarettes.
You know what's really pissing me off? People who sweat shame other people. Newsflash, it's hot, okay? That's why I never have a shirt on. You know what sweat is? It's the human body's natural AC unit. You know who made it that way? God. Are you really going to sit there and mock God like that? I didn't think so. So the next time, you're going to make fun of someone for sweating just a little bit too much. You need to ask yourself one question. Do you really want to go straight to hell? Mark Caballi joins us next. I farted. <laughs> it's a Crowley show. And put M. The Adam Crowley Show. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Should I go lower? Staring blankly ahead, just making my way, making a way through the crowd. On ESPN Pittsburgh. There's been all kinds of hysteria for the NFL's new lowering the helmet rule. I get it in one respect, and I don't in the other. And here's what I mean. People are acting as if this is going to kill the NFL. It won't. We've survived much worse. When Ray Rice punches a woman and drags her into an elevator, I mean, we still watch then. When the Mel Blunt rule was made, we kept watching. When James Harris was getting suspended for doing things he'd done his entire career, we kept watching. The catch was a disaster, and we kept watching. So people will continue to watch. The one thing I do think's a problem is, this wasn't a penalty last year. Players, yes, they have to adjust, and it is on them to adjust, but what if it's called in a playoff game? What if it's called in a game that Im- that is I- deeply into the playoff race? And it changes the outcome of one of those games. It's something that the NFL didn't have to worry about before that it does have to worry about now. And again, the league will survive. But fans of the team that gets gypped, yeah, they ain't going to be happy about it. And while the NFL did get the catch rule correct last year, and Mike Pereira, not Mike Pereira, that was his name, Al Riveron was correct last year in the Jesse James call. It doesn't mean that that call should have been made in the first place, though. It doesn't mean that that rule, pardon me, should have been there in the first place. We're joined by Mark Caballi of The Athletic now to discuss. Mark, you and I were going back and forth on Twitter. Why do that? We can just talk in person on the phone. How are you, pal? Pretty good. We're also going back and forth about Tom's shirt, but I don't hear you bringing that up. Look, here's the deal about Tom, man. you got to stay off my boy. He's my buddy. He's my friend. He's not going to wear a shirt. It's the summertime. Get the hell over it. You know, another thing is, if it wasn't for Tom, there would be no cheese teas. I think you got to stop relying on him and you pick up your game a little bit, too. Look, Tom is a creative genius. Tom is a tremendous person and actor. And we rely on Tom because we're utilizing his gifts. And okay. how in the world does he only have 100 followers? I agree. we got to make that happen. Oh, you my should... goodness. He started a week ago. Yeah, what happened? You got Here's what you got to do, Mark. you got to tweet out everyone follow him. I don't know. Then they'll see him without his shirt on, and they'll be questioning my uh, judgment. They won't. You did it with me. I guess that made them question your judgment, yeah, but too. Yeah, but I delete it right after you tell me to, so it, it makes you feel good, but I really didn't. 
We're also usually hammered at Sharky's at the time. Uh, you are. Speak for yourself. That's fair. You usually aren't. <laughs> All right, Mark, tell me right now. Tell me right now why I shouldn't be upset about this rule. Because uh, it's like, what is it, August 20th? Yes. I, I mean, that's the only thing you really have to uh, keep in mind when you're thinking about this. I mean, there, there's a method behind the league's madness, and we see it year in, year out, how they go about um, when they bring in new rules or even, you know, rules that they want to bring attention to. They over officiate like crazy in the preseason. Everybody gets up in the airs. Uh, guys like you make it a topic on the radio show. We go then ask players. Players get upset. And all of a sudden, it's a grain in their head. You know what? This league's for sure. I mean, this, the NFL's for real here, man. If they're not going to change here, so we're going to have to change what we do. Keep calling it in the preseason, calling it in the preseason, and you'll see. As we get into week one, week two, they'll start back off and using, you know, a little bit maybe better judgment or judgment where you absolutely see, you know, the body parallel or horizontal, I mean, to the, to the hitter, I mean, to the, the runner, then call it like that. Uh, I think they're just working on some things right now. And to be honest with you, is there going to be some instances during the season? Absolutely. But I don't think it's going to be anything to the degree of, you know, the calamity that we're all talking about right now. Well, the Des Bryant play comes to my mind with the catch rule, and that was convoluted. I don't know if this rule's convoluted so much as it's just a new rule that now the referees have to be thinking about. And because there's a new rule, it does mean that there's an opportunity for it to be called in a big game. And it wouldn't have been called before because it wouldn't be a rule. And. I just I think adding another layer like this was unnecessary. Where was the outcry for it? Why did they need this? Yeah, it's all about player safety, but they've done a bunch of late to help with player safety. Why add another wrinkle here? Why add another layer? You know, it's all to do with money. You know darn well that there's legal battles going on, and they don't want to be responsible for any of this, so let's make it as safe as possible and try to legislate things out of the game like they did with, you know, the hitting of James Harrison, whatever it was, six, seven years ago. I mean, that was a big deal. That might be a bigger deal than this right now. But what what happened? Eventually, everybody got on board. Everybody knew what they should do and what they should not do. And they all fell into place, and they moved on. And that's what they're doing here, too. I mean, I really don't see an issue with this right now. I mean, I would be more upset with, I mean, you know who that Vikings player was who got called for one the other day where I know that's a new rule where you're not allowed to land on a quarterback. That's a little, you know, a judgment call right there. It is bringing, it is, it is a tough, tough thing that, that the referees are now being asked to do to make that, that quick adjustment. I mean, they've never seen it. They never called it. They're just looking at, at points. Uh, if they see a guy, like I said, they see a guy horizontal with his head, they're like, oh, he must be using his head. So there's like keys that they point out to be able to um, call these plays. But as as they go on, they're going to say, okay, that's not the case. Let's see week one, week two of the preseason. I'm telling you, man, it's, it, it might linger through a week or two of the season, but I don't think it's going to be something that, you know, pushes away droves and droves of people. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to push droves and droves of people away. That, that part uh, I agree with. Um, as as for the rest of it, though, man, why would you think, though, that the preseason and only having called it in preseason games is going to make it less likely that they're going to call it in the regular season if they've never, if they've never called they it before? Want, 
They want these guys to get used to this. No they doubt. They want this to no be ingrained in their head. No doubt. They want I, to say, okay, we I can't get do that. this, so we're going to have to change. I get that, Mark. But the referees now have an extra thing on their plate. Why do I just assume that they're going to get it right in the regular season? Well, I don't think they're going to call it as tight as they are That's right true. now, where everything is basically, uh, you know, caught, you know, what's Tomlin call it, say? Air on the side, caution, or whatever the hell he said there. I don't even know what he said. Air on the side of caution? Is that what it is? I don't know. Air on the side of caution. So no matter what even <laughs> looks like a, a foul, even if it, man, I'm not quite sure about this, let's throw the flag and we'll deal with it later. It'll be a teaching point, a talking point. I mean, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of flags right now. Mark. I mean, the one the other day, the one the other day that in the Steelers game was kind of weird. They called the wrong I guy, think, I think. I don't. Yeah. I, plus, he, it looks like he got hit into him. There's some things that need ironed out here of uh, of things they didn't think of because this was thrown together kind of rapidly. I'm sure they're doing that right now. Mark Caballi from the Athletic joining us here on the Crowley Show. I know that five guys that you're going to see in the regular rotation did not play in the defense the other day. I was not impressed with the linebackers. My God, they're not good. And Morgan Burnett didn't look good, in my opinion. Really? I, I didn't think so. Now, there were a couple times he came down and stopped the quarterback uh, and, and kept contained there whenever everyone else seemed unable to do such a thing. Um, but, but the missed angle there, and he had a missed tackle in the game before. Should I be worrying about this defense as much as I am? And I am worrying. No, I don't think so, because I, I thought Morgan Burnett struggled, too, until I went back and looked, and he did take a bad angle on the first play of the game, and he missed a tackle. I don't even know if it was a missed tackle, which is a bad angle. Did something very similar in the early game in Philadelphia. Right. But then you go back and look, and he was making tackle after tackle and short tackles, open field tackles, and that's what you're looking for. And a guy like that, you want to prevent those 25, 35-yard gains. You want to hold those to, you know, 8, 9, 10-yard gains. And they have a feel, they feel that they will be able to, you know, play better defense if they don't give up those chunk plays. So I, I liked what he was able to do. The rest of that stuff is just so blown out of proportion, too. I mean, I, I agree with you on the inside linebacker position. I don't think we can make any determination whether Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt are going to be a bust because we've seen them, you know, like never. T.J. Watt's missed, what, 14 straight practices. Bud Dupree missed a bunch, although he had a sack the other day, Dupree. I think it's it's fair to, to question the inside linebacker, and especially John Bostic. I don't know quite what they're doing right there right now. It looks like they're putting him in situations to cover just to see if he can cover, and they're going to make a realization, well, at least we see, see it with their own eyes that he really can't That's cover. That's fair. Cause it, because it looks like that to me, because they're putting him in situations where he's covering guys down the field that he has no business doing. And I don't see that the defensive coordinator be that dumb to put him in that position. I think they're testing him to see what he is. But even beside that, I don't like what he's done the first two games. I mean, tackle-wise, um, finding the right hole, scraping and trying to make tackles, uh, a little bit slow to, you know, uh, to the hole and stuff like that, it just it just doesn't look good, and there's really no options. And that's that's probably the, the the thing you have to look at more. Everything else is just you know outside noise. I'm quoting Tomlin again. I think the only thing you really have to worry about from these first two games is how John Bostic's playing, how that inside linebacker is going, because I don't think there's going to be any huge hybrid defense is going to be able to cover up from that. They'll have a little bit of that dollar in there here and there, but that's not going to cover up their their flaws 
So I think the Bostic needs to improve. If not, I don't know where you go, to be honest with you. Mark Abole joining us here on the Crowley Show. Okay, if the first two games aren't as meaningful as many are making them see then, the third game, would you would you put that a little bit more of import? If the full defense is playing and they look like they have these first couple of games, then do you start to worry, or do you not even worry until the regular season? No, you, you, have to, you have to really look how many series they get, too. I mean, if they come out and look dominant for two series and get yanked, that doesn't mean, that doesn't all, all of a sudden indicate they're going to be a good defense and vice versa as well. Because there's times you see defensive, offensive, get off to slow starts, and all of a sudden by the third quarter they turn it on. So sure. it is what it is. You like to go out there and see, you know, the offense throw up tons of numbers like they did in what, New Orleans two years ago, I think, maybe, where Roethlisberger played about 12 plays. He was like 11 of 12 for 190 yards and two touchdowns and get him out and see a September 9th. That's what you like to see, but I don't think it's a determining factor if they're going to be flat or they're going to win or they're going to lose in Cleveland, depending on what they do against the Tennessee Titans with the, what, 15 players, 15 snaps that the first-team guys are going to get. So, I mean, I mentioned this the other day, Adam. Why do we why do we read so much into preseason NFL games, but preseason hockey games and spring training were just like, eh, it's just spring training, it's just preseason hockey, who cares? They look bad in football. It's like, oh, no, they're going to be terrible this year. I mean, I think it should apply all around there. Well, I I don't know if that is necessarily the case, though. I mean, I think I mean it's not to the same extent. I'll give you that, but you don't see pirate spring training games on TV. If they were on TV, I think people would complain just as much. And if Penguin games, if more of them were on TV, I think people would complain just as much. But it's the same situation with spring training. You're getting guys in there that you'll never see the entire year playing, and you wonder why they stink, you know? Or you have a starter that plays. Um, or pitches two innings, and all of a sudden their spring training records are eight and twenty-five. There's a reason for that. They're just trying to see what they have. Right, so, but I'm, I'm I don't I don't, I don't really. Look but I'm much focused. Into it. I'm not focused on those guys though. Like I don't care. I don't care what Nate Burhey does. Like I don't give I don't give a rip about that. But I do care <laughs> about what Morgan Burnett does. But don't don't you think that it would been a little bit different outcome rather than what? 21st quarter points if those five guys were in there. I do. I, I, you, and you are right about that, and it's different if they game plan. There's no question about it. But I, seeing what I saw at the end of last year and seeing what we've seen in the preseason thus far, I'm just going to I'm gonna wait a little bit before I start saying they're going to be improved. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but you can wait fair. and say that they're you know, not going to be good. They could be good and they could be bad again. I mean, I don't think anything we saw so far can indicate one way or the other because of that. This is contentious, Mark. I don't know, man. We're fighting here on the air today. Oh, man. It's all over Tom. It is all over I'll Tom. Started with that. Do me a I'll favor. Do me a favor. Tweet out. Tell everyone to follow Shirtless Tom, okay? Shirtless Tom. I will do that. Attaboy. Thanks, by, the, by, the way, what, what, by the way, what, what, why is he what, only on Twitter like a week ago? How's this possible? See, okay. Now that is Tom's fault. That's a legit question. That's a legit question. We're actually mad at Tom about that. He's very good at Twitter, yeah. too. Do you follow him? I Yeah. That's another thing. You probably should like not put shirtless Tom as your uh, Twitter handle. You might be able to get more followers. That's of that. his name. That's who he on. is. You got to be yourself. And what's 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 this other handle? Like not, uh, pushing buttons or something? My lord! If you if you look up the way not to have Twitter followers, and he, he's following every single one. You know what? I don't want sure. you to help him out. Then get out of here. I'm, all right, I'm not going to tweet it, please. All right, thank you. What is this vendetta?
I don't know, but the one person I want to take advice on how to use Twitter, it's, it's Mark Cavalli. So. <laughs> You're hurt over there. I feel like he, no. he comes in aggressive. He attacks us. Yeah. I think he's just trying to meet my level of contentiousness, but you can't. Good, you don't I was do born that, with it. You don't attack us by doing it. I feel like he comes at us every week with something like, ah, the cheese tease isn't good. Ah, the Twitter handle's not good. Next time, Mark, come at us. Start with what's good. Maybe just one thing just good. Just a hello. And then you can come out. Yes. And then poo-poo on everything else. Yeah, maybe poo-poo in the middle of the segment. We'll get to the meat at first. Poo-poo, yeah. we'll get to the meat again. I'll forgive him totally if Tom winds up, wakes up tomorrow with like 4,000 Twitter followers because Kabali tweeted it out. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, feel, I didn't feel the uh, I didn't feel like he, he wanted to do it. I oh. don't think he's going to do it. Oh, he's not going to do it. He might do it. No, he's not. I don't know. He might do it. He did it. He did it to me a bunch at training camp. Well, he never turns Twitter off, so all he has to do is reach up right now and just follow Tom. That's the first step, and then after that, then just type out, "Hey, follow my buddy, shirtless Tom." But even if he does that, I have a feeling it's going to be something like, "Hey, follow this guy who should probably be probably be wearing a shirt and is way too much involved in the cheese tees and doesn't have enough followers and sucks in general." If that happens, I'm reporting him. <laughs> I'm going to report him. That's bullying. It's fake news, too. We, we don't stand by for bullying, and uh, if that's the case, then we're going to get him in trouble, and we're going to get his blue check mark removed. More like Kabuli. Woo! Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by... To be determined. It's Crowley's show. The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's Adam Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoyed it. You know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot of the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are open. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Clint Hurdle sat down Starling Marte for tonight's game against the Atlanta Braves because he dogged it the other night against the Cubbies. <sighs> you shouldn't be dogging it. But the Pirates are kind of sending some mixed messages as far as I'm concerned. When you've got Newman and you're not going to play him because you say you're trying to win every day. And Echeverria right now is giving you the better chance to win. Well, doesn't Marte being in the lineup, even if he is dogging it, give you a better chance to win? I don't want to see any of my players dogging it, but shouldn't Clint Hurdle pull him into his office and say, Starling, come on, man, we're in the middle of a playoff race. We're five and a half games back. We need every single win we can get. You can't be doing that. And you smack him upside the head. You punch him in the gut a little bit verbally, and you say, man, we need you. You're one of our leaders. You reinvigorate him. You reinvest him. The Pirates have fallen on some hard times of late. Maybe you remind him of what the stakes are. And you tell him, man, you are so important to us that I can't take you out of the lineup even despite the fact that you did that. I just need you to not do it again. Send the message that way. Because doing this doesn't help the Pirates. He's one of their best players. His numbers this year are in line with what he's always done. His career OPS is 783. His OPS this year is 783. It's not great. 
His OPS plus is 112, which means it's 12% better than league average. He's not a great player. He's one of, if not their best player, though. He plays great defense in center field. Aren't you kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face? At some point, don't you have to say, I can't send this message right now? Was Antonio Brown suspended for the AFC Championship game? No. After he did the Facebook Live nonsense? Absolutely not. Because the stakes were that high. The Pirates aren't playing in the World Series right now, but if they want to be playing in the World Series, if they want to make the playoffs, you can't give one of your best players a sit-down like that. You can't. And we saw what happened with the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl sitting down Malcolm Butler. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Maybe if you've got that guy, the trickle-down effect helps you stop him once more and you win the damn game. Coaches get so invested in pride. Coaches get so invested in not looking like they're less of a man. They get all macho on you that they got to say, I'm benching your behind, man. You can't loaf it on my team. You know what? If it's April... I can get behind it. All these games matter exactly the same. I understand that. But now when you're running out of time and you're in the playoff race, sorry, you can't do it. Can't set them down. And maybe that's too millennial for you out there. Maybe you think I'm soft. But I want to see the Pirates win. Him in the lineup gives them a better chance to win. Period. Don't like the move by Clint Hurdle. 412-922-2874. I haven't liked a lot of Clint Hurdle's moves this year. And we'll get into that more tomorrow. Because I want to spend some more time on it. There are a lot of things to point out. But it hasn't been a good year. When the Pirates are five and a half games back, you win three or four extra games. You manage better for three or four extra games. You're only a couple back. And that changes the way you're thinking right now. Who's going to bench Hurdle? Who can? No one. Who tells him this isn't a bad idea or this is a good idea? The four-man outfield rotation. Didn't love that. When they were doing that, when Austin Meadows was up, they were like 15 games under 500. Haven't loved it this year. But it's not time for that. It's time for this. And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. I joke all the time, as do many media members here in Pittsburgh, that Mark Caballi is media police. He's always saying, this guy should do this, this guy should do that. And I love Caballi, but he does it all the time. Why is this person writing about this? Why are only these five people covering the game in Philadelphia? I'll be media police right now. I saw this tweet on the WPXI Final Word account. Quote, topic tonight. Should the Steelers keep four quarterbacks to make sure they don't lose Josh Dobbs? Guys! Guys! Josh Dobbs is a nice man. But his ceiling is a number two quarterback in this league. And while that absolutely is valuable, it's not something that the Steelers need. Worst case, if you want to call it that, if you're in the, oh my God, I love you Josh Dobbs fan base, is that the Steelers pay Landry after this year and keep him as the number three behind Rudolph in the future. Bang! Problem solved. You've got three quarterbacks. You're good. Dobbs has gotten better. He's played mostly well. But let's not pretend like he's going to be a starter in this league. If the Steelers lose Josh Dobbs, they'll get another Josh Dobbs. And y'all will say, oh, it's a wasted draft pick. Okay, 
Fine. Maybe it is. It's also a fourth rounder, and are, those don't pan out a lot of the time. Uh, for any team in the league. If one out of your first three picks becomes a star in the league, a productive player, I think you're doing a pretty good job. If two, you're going to the Hall of Fame, baby. If your fourth round, third string quarterback don't make it, you'll find another third string, fourth round quarterback. Why we got to make this guy out to be Joe Mon friggin' Tana? Bang. Let's not pretend like he's irreplaceable. Bang. Richard Sherman says the NFL's helmet rule is ruining the game and will turn the game into, quote, flag football. Richard Sherman is without a doubt one of my least favorite players in the NFL. I like players speaking their mind. I'm all about that. I don't care about politics being in sports. I'm all about that. I don't care about kneeling down of players. I think more of them should do it. What I can't stand is everyone fawning over Richard Sherman like he's this nuanced thinker. Everything that comes out of Richard Sherman's mouth that winds up being a headline is what everybody else is thinking anyway. Everyone other than Mark Caboli thinks that this helmet rule is a bad rule. Even Al Riveron's got to be thinking to himself, boy, am I in for a load of crap this year. Richard Sherman saying, it's flag football. I've heard regurgitated about a thousand times on the TV and radio since this rule was passed, and even more so now that it's the preseason. Here's my suggested rule changes for the NFL. If they are going to make it flag football, can they make it American flag football? Can every player wear small American flags on their waist that when you pull them off, it then signifies the players down? Now, what you can't do is put that flag on the ground. Because then if you do, you're going to hell and or it's treason and or you're going to get hung. You can't be doing that. You can't do bad stuff to the flag. In fact, even at the end of the game, instead of kneeling down, because you can't kneel down with the flags on your pants. You can't be doing that. Not allowed. Instead of kneeling down to milk the clock, I think what we need to see instead is you get Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA to play while the quarterback just stands there holding the ball up in the air. That signifies that he's allowing the clock to run out. I think I figured out all the problems. Player safety is covered and all the Trumpsters out there who are pissy about the NFL, who are triggered snowflakes, they'll be happy about it. American flags everywhere. And if a flag does happen to fall on the ground, you fold it and burn it. Coming up next, Mike Tomlin deserves heat for this Steelers defense. And Ryan Shazier, inspiring? Or does it make you think about the worst of the NFL? It's a Crowley Show. Woo!